When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome to another episode of the Giants huddle podcast. I'm John Schmelk. It's all brought to you by PSENG, energy efficiency for game time and anytime. Visit PSEG.com slash Giants for discounts, rebates, and home energy assessments. All right, everybody, our normal Friday fair this week. Bob Papa sits down with head coach of the Giants, Brian Dable. A Jaguars preview. Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino talk to Mike DiRocco, who covers the Jaguars for ESPN. And we'll lead off with my sit-down with Giants safety Xavier McKinney. Just a reminder, though, to go back, check out our last Giants Huddle episode. That was with Steve Palazzolo. And go find the Giants Huddle and subscribe um, whenever you can on your favorite podcast platforms. Or, again, you can listen at Giants.com slash podcast or the Giants mobile app. Same deal. We just published uh, on Thursday our newest draft season as we continue to track college football, who the emerging players are, kind of tracking what this draft class is going to look like in every couple of weeks, two, three weeks, myself, Tony Pauline, Eric Crocker, uh, break down what's happening in college football as we try to track the draft and don't just kind of jump in deep end of the pool in January. Try to have a little bit of a baseline as we head into the offseason, we get into draft season here. So again, find draft season on the Giants app, podcast platforms everywhere. Just search for draft season or go to Giants.com slash podcast and the links to subscribe are there as well. All right, let's get to it. We'll lead off with my interview with Giants safety, Xavier McKinney. And now we're joined by Giants safety, Xavier McKinney. Zay, good to be with you, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, dude. Uh, so you're 5-1. and one. I'm going to ask you a really s- simple question, but I think the answer is complicated. How have you guys gotten to 5-1? and one? What do you think you guys are doing well that's helped you get there? Um, well, I think, you know, just the bond that we've created within each other. Um, from the very beginning, uh, back in OTAs, it started. Uh, but we've always had a tight-knit group. Um, even the last two years, the two years that I've been here, our group has always been really close. Um, offense, defense, defense, offense. So um, it's nothing new, man. Uh, we just have continued to, to build relationships with each other. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, we go out there and play for each other, and uh, we know that we have each other's backs. So maybe you already answered the question then, as my fob was going to be, is there like a secret sauce to winning all these close games? Every game you've been in has been a one-score game. You're 5-1. Yeah. and Now nah, everybody likes each other, man. I think, uh, you know, when you got a team, a team full of guys that, you know, are all selfless, um, you know, guys that, you know, want to, you know, do, be better for the person next to them, for the guy that they're playing next to, uh, obviously it creates a, a great sense of, um, just, just, uh, uh, you know, just a team, it, it builds a, builds a great team. And, um, I think we have that with, with a lot of our guys. And, uh, I think that's why it's been, you know, so successful for us to this point. And is there a momentum now to, to stuff like this where you, you see the results and it reinforces your confidence where it helps it keep on rolling when you start putting some of these wins together? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think definitely, obviously, uh, when you put in the work, how we do, and then you, you obviously you go out there and, and, you know, the results come back and, um, you know, they're winning results. Obviously, it always going to boost your confidence. It's going to make you feel, uh, you know, more more confident in your ability and make you play a lot better and make you want even more than what you have. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's what we have in our guys is, you know, we're winning these games, but not just the, the result of it, but just 
throughout the whole process of, you know, how we prepare, how we go out here and practice and just the things we do that's that's outside of the building with each other. Um, it's, it's building everybody's confidence and we all trust each other. And uh, when you got trust, I mean, you got everything. So uh, I think you can really tell when we're out there playing. All right, let, let's dig into more of the X's and O's. And I'll ask another simple basic question. What makes Wink's defense work? Why is it effective? Uh, just being able to, you know, put guys in different spots, um, being able to switch it up, uh, show people different looks. Um, obviously, everybody is, you know, he's aggressive, he's aggressive, he's aggressive. But at the same time, you know, he listens. And, um, you know, I think uh, to, for, for there to be a great leader, you also have to be willing to, you know, be able to grow and, and listen to, you know, the, the, the people around you. So, um, you know, he's not, you know, one sided. He doesn't just, you know, just close off to everything else. Um, he's always going to do what's, you know, what's best, you know, for our defense and what's going to put us in the best situation to be able to be able to go out there and, and execute on defense and um, be able to get stops when we need to. So, I think that's the biggest thing about, you know, playing in his defense. And I think that's been the fun, the, the most fun part, too, about it as well. You know, it's funny. You mentioned three things there, and there's all three things that I was going to kind of follow up on. So I want to go one at a time here. You mentioned how he listens. I had Dexter on last week, and he said, you know, a big reason that we're improving in the second halves of games and as you go along in these games is that he'll take player input during the game and then adjust what he's doing from what you guys are seeing on the field. And he talked to me about some of the stuff he sees that he communicates. What are some of the types of things without giving away state secrets that you can see from your kind of bird's eye view safety position that you can communicate to him and the other coaches during the game that can help with some of those adjustments? Yeah. I mean, we obviously, uh, you know, we have these talks a lot of, a lot of the times during the game, just because obviously I'm the one with the green dot and, you know, uh, saying the plays. And so obviously I get to see, um, kind of what's working for us and uh, or, you know, if I feel like, you know, we need to run something that I feel like can work for us, then, you know, I obviously express that to him. And, uh, you know, he he does the same with me as well. He'll he'll come up to me and ask, ask me, you know, what 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 he what I think we should run or what what I feel like is, is going to work for us um, or even sometimes what I what I want to run. And uh, we go from there. So. Um, like I said, man, I think, you know, all, all the coaches have, you know, done a great job of, of just providing, um, you know, that transparency uh, within, you know, all of us. And it's, it's really helped us a lot and uh, it's helped us grow, um, you, know, th you know, throughout these games. You know, Zay, and you mentioned, and I want to get to the green dot in a second, but you mentioned how everyone thinks Wink's aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. And mm -hmm. I think that was the impression coming in. But I've been pretty impressed while, you know, the blitz rate, if you look at the numbers, is high. But I feel like he's been very measured in how he uses them, right? It's not like he's throwing you guys in cover zero all over the place and putting guys yeah. out on islands. You know, yeah. he's running zone behind it sometimes. He's mm. keeping guys in front. It seems like he's very methodical in how he uses the blitzes. And while it's aggressive, it's also giving you – it's not putting you guys out on islands and putting your defense in danger, which is one of the reasons you're not giving up a lot of big plays. Yeah, man. I, like I said, that's – like, he's he's a great defensive coordinator. Um, you know, he's not, you know, like I said, he's not one of them guys that's just going to be like, yeah, this is just what I do and I, I don't want to do nothing else. Like, nah, he's going to do what's best, you know, for us. He's not going to – obviously, there's some times where it's like, all right, we know we're going to run and you just got to, you know, <laughs> you got to lock up your man and you got to execute. Of course. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of times too also where, you know, he doesn't put us in, you know, those bad positions, um, but we can still go out there and execute and, and be able to get the job done. So um, it's been, like I said, it's been fun, man. Uh, I think, you know, the play calling has been excellent. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, when it's when it's really time for that play to be made, uh, you know, the type of guys that we have on defense, we don't care what the call is. Um, you know, we don't, you know, the DBs, you know, the corners, safety, we don't care if we're left on islands. Um, you know, we, we just focused on making the last play and, uh, you know, being able to get off the field. So uh, I think that's the great thing about, you know, playing with these guys, man. It's been, it's been super, super fun. Uh, I can't even really express it enough. Um, but it's been, it's been really fun and, and, you know, it's, it's easy to go out there and play, uh, when you got, you know, the level of, of talent and the level of, uh, the amount of playmakers that we have in our defense it's so easy to just go out there and just play. You know, it seems like he saves the stuff for the big moments. You mentioned making big plays in big spots, right? You know, mm -hmm. and 
like you didn't blitz Aaron Rodgers a ton, but here comes the blitz zero when you were, you know, fourth and one in the red zone, you know, guys can't get behind you there because the end zone's there, right? You got the yeah. end line. So that's when you could be more aggressive. Do you sense that he has a good sense of timing to save the stuff that you guys really think during the week is going to work for, for those sure. biggest spots in the red zone and on third down? Yeah, for sure. Uh, he does a great job of dialing it up. He does. He obviously, like everything's calculated. Um, and obviously I think, you know, that, that happens in games where, you know, he sometimes saves, you know, some of the good stuff. And, uh, like I said, when it's, when it's time to, you know, make that play, we kind of already know what's coming. Uh, we already know the play that's coming. So, um, we already like mentally, we have already prepared for that. And we know because we've talked about it and, um, we know what he wants and, uh, uh, he knows, you know, what we want. So it's a mutual thing. Uh, we work together. We work as a unit. And, um, yeah. No, nah, it's awesome, man. You mentioned the green dot. What's that been like? Has it been fun? Uh, has that something you ever did before? Like, how has nah, it been? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I've never – obviously, I've never done it in the league. Um, you know, I did a little bit in college, uh, obviously. But, you know, it's been it's been really fun. Uh, it's a hell of a hell of an honor, hell of a responsibility. But, it's been super fun. I had to adjust to it the first couple of weeks because I didn't realize how loud and, and you know, <laughs> I got to got to You kind of got to uh, calculate, um, you know, what you put your energy uh, toward. You can't really you got to figure out a way to be able to get the communication out to everybody without, you know, wasting all of your energy. Um, so, you know, it's been a growing process for me. Uh, but like I said, I got guys out there that are have done a hell of a job of helping me, uh, you know, be able to get the calls out. So it's not just me. Uh, we got a we got a, a group of guys that have have you know helped me along the way and um, you know made it so I, I didn't just feel like it was you know I was the only one that had to get the call out. So um, like I said, it's been fun, man. These guys, man, I, I love these guys, you know, and I uh, you know I, I I hope I can can continue uh, to be able to lead them and and uh, keep doing what I'm doing and and you know they're helping me along the way. So it's been fun. I imagine Julian's one of those guys, right? You guys just seem like the perfect tag team back there. You're both are kind of, you know, you're just, you're young players, but you just seem, you're so serious and you're so intelligent about the game. It seems like it would just be a situation where you guys really work well back there together. How much has he helped you kind of do, uh, execute all those responsibilities? Yeah, he's done a great job, man. Um, it's been, it's been super fun playing with, with you. Um, you know, that obviously that's my guy, so. Um, you know, we, we play really well together. Uh, we, we work well uh, off each other. Um, and we've been playing with each other now uh, for a little minute. So we kind of know each other's tendencies. And um, it's easy. Like, sometimes we don't even have to talk to each other out on the field. We kind of just already know uh, what one another is going to do uh, just because we've, we've created that bond within each other. Um, but he's helped me a lot, man. Uh, I think we've helped each other. Uh, even not just, you know, the cause, but uh, just getting better as a player. Uh, you know, going out there on the field um, and, you know, we, we helping each other with releases or uh, helping each other with tackling um, or even, you know, when it comes to the film stuff, you know, just just trading ideas back and forth with each other. And, uh, you know, it's been fun. It's been fun for both of us. All right. I got to ask about the opponent real quick. You have a lot of experience against Trevor Lawrence and, and Travis Etienne from college. Give Giant fans uh, an idea of what you guys are preparing for and how those guys can uh, give you potential difficulties on Sunday. Yeah, well, I think both of them are dynamic players. Um, they both are able to make, obviously, big plays. Uh, I got to play Trevor when he was a freshman in college, and he was really, really, really good. Um, you know, we, we didn't get the you know the good side of that uh, that game, but um, obviously, they're really they're both really good players. Etn is a really good back. He's very dynamic. He he's really explosive, um, and he can you know he can uh, he's a playmaker out in the open space. So. Uh, it's definitely going to be another challenge for us as a defense, as a unit. Um, but, you know, we're preparing during the week and, and, you know, we're just trying to, you know, take it one day at a time and uh, one step at a time and be be able to, you know, try to go one and know this week. Have you burned the Tennessee hat yet? Oh, yeah, I threw that away. I threw <laughs> that to the dumpster, so that's in the trash. <laughs> Zay, good stuff, man. Congratulations and uh, look forward uh, to watching you on Sunday. Best of luck. Yes, sir. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? 
I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, hey, <laughs> hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that saying? with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but. All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. I appreciate you. Fans, don't miss Giants football at MetLife Stadium. Limited tickets are available for all remaining home games, including a big-time matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles in December. Visit Giants.com slash tickets to find your seat and go to a game this season and enjoy yourself at MetLife Stadium. It's been a great atmosphere. Fans have done a great job. We thank Xavier McKinney for joining us. Now let's turn our attention to an in-depth look and preview of the Giants' opponent this week, the Jacksonville Jaguars, is Mike DiRocco. He covers them for ESPN. He chats with our very own Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino. The Giants begin a two-game road trip prior to their bye week as they visit the Jacksonville Jaguars this Sunday. To get more into this week's opponent, we are joined by ESPN's NFL Nation reporter for the Jags, Mike DiRocco. Mike, you got Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino here on Giants.com. Appreciate the time. Hope all is well. How's everything on your end? Uh, it's doing well. How about you guys up there in New York? We are doing very well indeed, and we're looking forward to this week's game, a battle between two teams, Mike, and this is where I want to start, that I feel are somewhat similar because the Giants have played six games that have been decided by one score. The ball has bounced their way. They've won five of those games. Jaguars, outside of the two lopsided wins, their four losses have all been decided by one score, and if you look at all those games, it's either been tied or the Jags have led fairly late in the game. So what's been the biggest difference maker as to why the Jags haven't been able to close out those games compared to the Giants being able to accomplish that feat? Well, quite simply, it's guys making plays at the end of games to kind of close it out. Uh, You know, last week is a perfect example. The Jags, you know, put together a 10-minute drive in the fourth quarter. Trevor Lawrence plays some really good football, makes a couple of really key throws, including a tough one on a third and 13 to convert on that drive. It takes, I think it was 18 plays, 10 minutes, and then they go ahead and take the lead, and then the defense allows Matt Ryan to just drive straight down the field, um, you know, Dinkin and Duncan to take the lead. There was a, a, a roughing the passer penalty included in there. Uh, and then Shaq Griffin, who had had a rough day, just gets flat out beat one on one down the sideline by Alex Pierce. And, and it's a touchdown and the Jags then go ahead and lose the game. And it's been stuff like that, like every single week against the Eagles. Um, you know, they still had a chance despite turning the ball over five times. And, you know, Jawan Taylor, the right tackle, just gets bull rushed and the ball gets slapped right out of Trevor Lawrence's hands pretty much as soon as he got into his drop there game over so they're just not making those plays at the end of games um, that finish them there's a pair of numbers that don't make a lot of sense to me Jacksonville 23rd in red zone defense but yet they are the third best rush defense in the National Football League those two things usually do not coincide why is that (laughs) happening well part of it is the first two weeks of the year they were really good against the run uh, they were giving up four, uh, 55 yards a game. So then they go into Philadelphia, and Foley Fadakasi gets hurt in that game. But even though that, that the nose tackle you know, plays a big role in it, you, you know, they still give up 210 yards on the ground. Uh, and that's just ridiculous. They go ahead, and then they play Damian Pierce. Foley Fadakasi doesn't play in that game uh, against the Texans. And you know, they, he rushes for over 100 yards last week. Matt Ryan threw it 58 times, so they didn't even bother trying to run the ball because they had injuries to Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. They didn't even bother with it. So I think those kind of things balance out a little bit, and in reality, the Jags are probably a middle-of-the-pack run defense. They're certainly not as good as they were the first two weeks, 
uh, throughout the whole rest of the season. But, you know, the injury to Foley Fadakasi was, was a huge factor. I think he's going to play this week. Um, but it was really, you know, last week was sort of the one that kind of threw it out of whack as well. Mike, I'm glad you brought up the fact that Matt Ryan attempted 58 passes. When I looked at that, it really jumped off the page because once again, you figure, well, why would you want to put the ball in harm's way that many times, especially since Matt Ryan's been sacked a lot and he has been intercepted a few times, yet they decided, to your point, without their starting running backs, However, you look at the Giants passing attack, the numbers have been very modest is one way to put it. So what do you think the Jaguars identity is on defense? Is it pretty much still leaning on that run defense despite the down game against Philadelphia? Or are they comfortable playing different styles despite the fact that the secondary has been very up and down? Yeah, you know, the thing of it is, is after the first three games, I would have told you that the Jags' defensive identity is a team that's a ball-hawking defense. I mean, they had eight turnovers in the first three games. They forced just one in the last three. Um, you know, in that secondary, the corners haven't been as, as good as we had thought they might be. And Shaquille Griffin's not had a great year. Um, you know, last week, the, the, the Colts got the ball out quick. I mean, he dropped, like I said, 58 times, 58 passes he threw. He got hit seven times, didn't sack him once. In week two, the Jags sacked him, I think, five times and picked him off three. Um, so they're, they're just still searching for who they are. They've been so inconsistent. Um, you know, last week, you know, we saw this defense just absolutely get shredded by crossing pattern. They stayed man all day. They didn't make any adjustments, drop into any zones or anything like that. Uh, they felt like they could get to Matt Ryan. Um, but he was getting the ball off so quick, they just weren't able to get there. So, you know, what is this team? Can they rush the passer? They were in the first three weeks, but they haven't the last three. I, I don't think they really know what they are. I think I know what they want to be. Um, they want to be a lot like that 17 team where they can get pressure um, with just the four guys and go ahead and play coverage in the back end and force some turnovers. And it looked like they may be headed that way. But now, honestly, I think they're just scrambling to figure out how they can really keep teams from feasting in the middle of the field because that's really been where most of the damage has been done the last couple of weeks in the past game is the middle of the field. You know, based on the numbers, it looks like the Jags may stuff the box more than any other opponent the Giants have faced so far this year. But if they're not getting pass rush and their secondary is having some troubles, it seems to me if they overload against Barkley, now they're giving Daniel Jones a whole host of opportunities to do things. Yeah, and, and they have to be careful about that because, you know, Doug Peterson has experience playing Daniel Jones, um, who has ripped off a couple of big runs when, uh, against the Eagles when Doug Peterson was coaching the Eagles. Um, and that's the thing they're, they're a little bit concerned about. I mean, the number one priority, obviously, is stopping Saquon Barkley. I mean, if you don't stop him, you have no chance of winning that game. And maybe stopping isn't the right word, limiting, um, you know, limiting what. And that's going to be their top thing this week. But the bottom line, like you said, is don't get so concerned with that, that they're vulnerable in the pass game. And, and again, those corners, Tyson Campbell's had a solid year, uh, but Shaq Griffin, who they signed last year as a free agent out of Seattle, has just really not had a good year. He gave up the winning touchdown last week. He was partly responsible for the game-winning touchdown in week one against the Commanders uh, late in the fourth quarter. He gave up a, a long pass there. So th those guys are vulnerable. That secondary is vulnerable. And what we've seen out of Trayvon Walker, the number one overall pick, has been you know a really hot start in the first two weeks. And then since then, the biggest contributions he's made has been roughing the passer penalties that extended drives in consecutive weeks that ended up in touchdowns. Um, so he's got to start playing better. So they, if they're just going to load up on Barkley and then still not be able to get to Daniel Jones, then, then it could be a long day, and it could be one of those games that are not a one-score loss. We're talking with Mike DiRocco, who covers the Jaguars for ESPN. Mike, I want to piggyback off of your point about Trayvon Walker because what you were alluding to is he had the sack in week one. Since then, we haven't seen maybe those disrupting plays, but it seems as if he's still getting pressures, very similar to Kayvon Thibodeau, who the Giants drafted high in the first round, who has the one strip sack. But outside of that, 
He's been quiet. However, we're seeing that he's still creating opportunities for teammates and still getting pressures. So I know you just referenced the roughing the passer, but for individuals that haven't watched the Jaguars closely, what if anything is he doing to perhaps set up his teammates, which doesn't necessarily pop up in the box score on a weekly basis? Yeah, I mean, teams are, after those first two weeks, teams are looking at him a little bit differently. I mean, he's, he's so raw as a pass rusher. Um, that's probably his biggest weakness at this point. So he doesn't have a lot of moves. He doesn't have some counter moves developed where he can kind of figure out what to do if he is double teamed or what to do if he's played a certain way. Uh, other teams have sort of rolled protections towards him a little bit at times. He's been chipped. Um, and you would think with that, that that would allow Josh Allen on the other side a little bit more room to operate, but it's really not been the case. Um, both of them have gotten good pressure, and I think Josh Allen's in the top 10 in the league in terms of getting pressures on the quarterback, but the sacks aren't there. And pressures are great, but again, it's what this team doesn't do. It doesn't finish. You've got to finish those plays. Sure. And in the first two weeks of the game, first two weeks of the season, they finished. Um, you know, but they just haven't been able to do now to do that the last, you know, three or four weeks. And, you know, Walker's been solid against the run, but, but to be honest, guys, you don't take a guy number one overall for him to be good against the run and get some pressure. He's got to get to the quarterback and he's not doing it. Now you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me what Jacksonville would like to do is control the narrative of this game with Robinson and Etienne running the ball. And then a lot of short stuff to Jones and Ingram. And then every once in a while, seeing if they can get Kirk in open space. Is that about the size of it? Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, they want to get Kirk matched up in the middle of the field, um, you know, on a linebacker, if possible, safety. Um, they want to get him free. And, you know, you mentioned the thing about Trevor Lawrence getting the ball out quickly. And that was something that the Jaguars really made an effort to do last week to kind of get him a little bit more confidence because he had been – you know, five turnovers uh, against the Eagles and then three turnovers uh, against the, the Texans, you know, he needed a good game. And in order to get him going, they kind of had a lot of short stuff, a lot of quick stuff. And that's really where he's at his best right now, to be honest with you. So everything you said is spot on. And their hope is, like I said, they could get Christian Kirk matched up in, in the middle of the field against somebody that can't stay with them. Um, I'm interested to see how they do, how they handle the run game because Travis Etienne has been much more effective the last two weeks than James Robinson. But the problem is, you know, they kind of go away from it a little bit and Travis Etienne gets fewer touches as the game goes on. And it's sort of kind of confusing to us. But, you know, again, they ran for 240 yards last week. So pretty much everybody touched the ball and had success. But, you know, ETN seems to be the more explosive back, the more the guy that can make a big play happen. And I think he needs to be more of the priority than James Robinson. But, you know, they're going to try and pound it, like you said, and, and do that other stuff about clearing some stuff out with, with Jones and, and Jones and, and Ingram and then try and get Kirk matched up. And that would make sense, Mike, considering if the Giants have shown any issues on the defensive side of the ball, it has been defending the run, as we even saw last week with the Ravens is – Kenyon Drake had a very strong game on the ground, multiple big runs, including a pair of 30-yarders. Speaking of the rushing attack, the other thing that has been brought to the forefront is that they haven't shied away from utilizing Trevor Lawrence's legs. He's got a pair of rushing touchdowns. The volume of runs, Mike, clearly is not high. I think he's run about 20 times, but it's the same debate that I think the Giants have entered with respect to their new coaching staff. How much do you want to expose your young quarterback to considering he hasn't held up durability-wise. So what has been that fine line that Doug Peterson is walking about wanting to utilize Trevor Lawrence's mobility, but at the same time, to your point, you got those two running backs. It's not like you have to put much more on his shoulders other than pretty much focusing on protecting the ball and the passing game. Yeah, you know, it's it's been interesting because last year's staff, Urban Meyer wanted them to run early, and then they didn't want him to run after that. Uh, Doug Peterson has been pretty consistent in saying, look, use your legs when you have to, um, you know, scramble around out there. If nothing's there, instead of forcing something, um, go ahead and scramble and get yourself a couple of yards, get down so you don't get hurt, obviously. Uh, last week they had more com uh, called runs for Trevor Lawrence. There was a third down run where he was um, 
you know, it looked like a, an option play at first, but Travis Etienne ended up being the lead blocker, and then he got around the edge and, and managed to first down. So we'll see a few of those. But, you know, the bottom line is, like you said, they don't want to expose him to too much uh, punishment, but they're going to try and be smart with the way they use it. He had the two rushing touchdowns last week. One was a quarterback sneak, um, you know, and, uh, you know, he's been, he's been sort of reluctant to, to do that, to, to go ahead and take off when, when he's had the opportunity in terms of scrambling. But he said the other day, he said Wednesday, that, hey, look, you know, that's something that I've done before. I did it in college. I have to be more comfortable doing it, and I need to do it more. I got to ask you about this offensive line because we know about the rushing prowess of this team, and you mentioned Lawrence trying to get the ball out quicker recently. Now they're going to go up against the Wink Martindale defense, which, to be honest with you, has shown six different philosophical tendencies in each of the Giants' six games so far. How much, how much of a concern do you think Wink's kaleidoscope defense is going to be for the for these Jacks to handle? Oh, I think it's going to be a huge issue. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence is a second-year quarterback. He hasn't seen everything. He's not even close, obviously. Um, and you can kind of confuse the kid. And the interesting thing about Trevor Lawrence's numbers are, if you look at him, his quarterback rating, uh, his completion percentage is actually better against the blitz than it is when he's not pressured. Uh, so that's sort of a weird twist of, of, of what's going on with him mentally this year. But there, you know, look, the obvious thing, that, the obvious thing you want to do is, is try and confuse the young quarterback. It wouldn't surprise me, and I know it wouldn't surprise Jag, the Jaguars, if they saw all six of those uh, you know, philosophies, approaches, whatever you want to call it, in the first half of this game at times. <laughs> um, because, because he's shown that he will – Trevor Lawrence got a big arm, one of the best arms in the National Football League. And he's a really confident kid. And he has shown the tendency to, you know what, it's third and seven. I've got a guy at the sticks who's open, but boy, we got a big play down the field and it's a tighter window, but I can get it in there. And he'll make that throw instead of taking the short throw. And he's still struggling with the concept at times of just because I can make the throw doesn't mean I should make the throw. So what you want to do if you're a defense is you want to get Trevor Lawrence back into that mode of, yeah, that's a tighter window, but I've got the arm and the confidence that I can get it there and make him take some more of those lower percentage throws. And I think if you do that, and I think if the Giants can do that, then the interceptions will be there and they'll have a chance to, you know, to kind of turn things over uh, and get this offense to, to really start struggling. And if the Jaguars offense struggles, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty much been the only thing that's saved in the last couple of weeks. Mike, speaking of the offensive line dynamics and the Jaguars' offensive philosophy, if you look at the trend here, Jaguars have won the two games where Trevor Lawrence wasn't sacked, and then in the other games, clearly he was sacked. But eight of the ten sacks that they've surrendered have only come in two games. So I just, I guess my point is, I don't know how much there is to read into that. I'm just curious your perspective because, I mean, it can't be so simple to say if the Giants get one sack in this game, they're absolutely going to win the contest. I mean, football, I understand sometimes it's relatively easy to understand, but I don't argue that that's exactly how it's going to play out. So how has the offensive line held up in your estimation and why is it that when they've protected him, it seems to have triggered a win? And when maybe one or two sacks have occurred, all of a sudden the game has played out very differently. Yeah, that, that's just, a, I don't know if it's a weird statistical quirk um, or what, but like the thing of it is, has been, you know, the interior of the line has been a little bit spotty other than um, Brandon Sheriff at, at right guard. The, the center's a rookie, uh, and he had a rough go the first couple of weeks. Um, left guard Ben Barch has been up and down. Left tackle Cam Robinson has sort of, been, you know, they paid the guy uh, to be their starting left tackle for the next three to four years, and he's just been okay. Um, and right tackle Juwan Taylor was playing the best football of his career until the Texans game, when he probably played one of the worst games of his career. Then he rebounds last week with one of the best games of his career uh, against the Colts. And, and I think it's just been they, – they've not all played great together at the same time in pass protection. And I think that's sort of the only way I can just 
can figure it out is that there's been breakdowns here and there, um, you know, in, uh, in every single game, clearly. But, you know, in, in the game against the Colts, for example, Jawan Taylor just got absolutely bull rushed um, and thrown around on two snaps in the entire game. And those were two snaps that, that happened to be where Trevor Lawrence got hit and fumbled because Jawan Taylor got blown up. So I just think that the offensive line, I don't think, is, is anything better than an average offensive line. Uh, I know the Jaguars feel a lot different. But when their breakdowns are occurring, it, it, it's just been at critical times as well. And they're just not all playing consistent, well consistently. And I think that's sort of the best way to describe it because there's really no rhyme or reason. Um, you know, how, how Juwan Taylor can play the worst game of his career and then turn around and play the best game of his career. It, it's just it, that that just sort of sums up this offensive line in a nutshell. Final thoughts, a big picture one from me. And that is, you know, the Giants have won three in a row and they're five and one and a lot of emotions riding high and so much optimism and all that good stuff, all those intangibles. And then you look at Jacksonville having lost three in a row. And you wonder about what is their emotion? What are their intangibles right now? Are there doubts inside that locker room as to as to what's going on, what direction they're headed in? And yet, of course, Las Vegas has the uh, the Jags a- as the favorite, I guess, because they're the home team. How do you think that plays into this game at all? Yeah, I don't get that line. Um, I really don't. You know, everyone's like, well, the Giants are aren't a great five and one team. Well, they're five and one. This team's two and four. They're not a good team. The Giants are a good team. That's the, the only. That's the way I'm going to look at it until the game's over on Sunday. But I don't think there's a, a confidence issue or a confidence crisis in this Jaguars locker room because there's a lot of guys on this team that were here last year and that were here two years before. And yeah, they've lost four games, but they've been in every single game in the fourth quarter, and they've been one score games. You know, and that sounds terrible to sit there and go, oh, that's a good loss. But if you've watched this franchise the last decade and certainly the last two years, I mean, they were getting their rear ends kicked week after week after week. I mean, they weren't even in games going into the second half. Um, You know, this is progress. This franchise has made progress. What they are right now is a functional NFL franchise on the field, and they haven't been that. So there are guys in this locker room that have been through some of the awful uh, losses over the last two, three, four years that understand, hey, you know what? We're losing games, but we're a better franchise. We're a better team than we have been any time in recent memory since maybe 2017. So that, you know, that doesn't sit there and, and imply that they're going, oh, we're losing games. We're fine with that. Uh, they're not, but they, they know that they're a better team uh, than they have been, and they feel like in any team, like if you lose one score game and you lose a lot of them, any team is going to sit there and say, hey, look, you know, one score games, we could have won that game. Two or three plays different, we could have maybe even, you know, won that game easily. Um, you know, so that's sort of where they are right now. There's no confidence issue. Now the problem becomes if we're into late November and we've still got you know, we're still seeing this team lose a bunch of those one-score games, and they're losing them the same way. Then things can start to get a little wonky, a little bit, but not right now. They're 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 okay right now, confidence-wise. We're talking with Mike Duraco, who covers the Jags for ESPN. Mike, not only is Doug Peterson a familiar face to the Giants, given the fact that he coached in the NFC East, but Evan Ingram, who played for the Giants, now on the Jaguars. I was very intrigued, Mike, when that happened this offseason because of Doug Peterson's track record utilizing tight ends in Philly and a lot of talk about maybe Evan is more of a wide receiver than a tight end. You look at the numbers, he's been targeted. They haven't necessarily been overwhelming. It's been more Christian Kirk and maybe a little bit of Zay Jones and Marvin Jones went healthy. But what has the chemistry been like between Trevor Lawrence and Evan Ingram? And Clearly, a lot of people always talk about when a former player goes up against his old team that there's going to be a little bit more motivation, a little bit more pep in his step. What do you make of all of that entering this contest? Well, during camp, I mean, I, I after watching those guys in camp, I mean, Evan Ingram was targeted all the time. 
And I sat there at the end of camp and thought, this guy's going to catch 50-plus balls and have eight touchdowns. I drafted him in my fantasy, one of my fantasy leagues. <laughs> I was like, absolutely. This guy's going to be, you know, uh, 50 catches, like I said, eight, nine, maybe even double-digit touchdowns because he looked for him in the red zone in camp all the time. It hasn't really materialized uh, that much in the regular season. Um, you know, and – we asked Evan Ingram and Trevor about it the other day. And their thing is like, you know, look, we, we just kind of spread the ball around a little bit. And, you know, the, that kind of chemistry and, and uh, you know, takes a little bit of time to develop. Um, you know, the interesting thing to me is, is he's been better as a blocker than I expected. And, you know, obviously I didn't watch a ton of Giants games and zero in on Evan Ingram as a blocker. But sure. my, you know, opinion of him coming into is he was going to be, yeah, he's a, you know, he's a, split out wide tight end and you know if he can just get in the way of somebody then you know that's that's okay as a blocker but he's been better than that I do think that there's a, obviously we talked to Evan Wednesday and there's a little bit of extra juice for him for this game for sure um you know not any kind of hard feelings or anything like that he said he said it's going to be fun he knows most of the guys on the offense so it'll be good to kind of catch up with those guys but you can bet he you know he wants to get in the end zone at least once in this game, wants to win this game. Um, you know, and, and I think maybe this will be one of those connections that by, you know, mid-November will be a little bit better. But, you know, he signed a one-year, $9 million prove-it deal. Um, so his numbers need to be a heck of a lot better than they are right now if he's going to be able to find a deal that will pay him that much, whether here in Jacksonville or somewhere else next year. Mike, before we let you go, another name that I think is worth bringing up, especially for Giants fans that may not be paying close attention to the Jaguars, is Jamal Agnew, who's played some wide receiver, and I know he dealt with a knee issue in the last game, so as we're talking with you right now, his status very much up in question, but the reason I'm bringing him up is he's known to be a special teams guy. He actually had a punt return against the Giants a few years ago when he was a member of the Lions. If he can't go, considering he's been the main punt and kickoff return man, how does that change the dynamics of what they do in the return game? Yeah, it, well, I mean, you can't replace him. He's one of the better kickoff return guys, punt return guys in, in the NFL, that's for sure. I mean, he returned the missed field goal 107 yards, I think, last year for a touchdown. Um, you know, Chris Claybrooks uh, took over as the kickoff returner uh, when – Agnew went down last week, and he's a he's one of the two or three fastest guys on the team, so he can really run. He's a reserve corner, so he'd probably handle that. Uh, at practice yesterday in the media viewing, there were a bunch of guys that were kind of working as punt returner, Chris Claybrooks as well, but Christian Kirk went back there and, and fielded some punts as well, so I wouldn't be surprised if Kirk would be a guy that they would try and uh, put there as well if, if um, you know they're not real 100%. Uh, sure that they want Claybrook to do it. But, you know, he's gotten more and more involved in the offense as the season's gone on, Agnew has. And, you know, they love the speed. They kind of look at him a little bit like Travis Etienne is like, we've got to get him the ball in space and let him do his thing with his speed and, you know, the way he's able to shake guys. But, you know, it'll be a big loss if he's not able to go because sometimes those you know, if you can make a play on special teams, and they really haven't at this point this year, that can really be one of those game-changing plays, especially when you're playing those one-score games like they have been. It could shorten the field, change field position. There's no doubt about that. He is ESPN's NFL Nation reporter, Mike Duraco, who covers the Jaguars. Mike, greatly appreciate the time and the insight, and we're looking forward to Sunday's game. Thanks for hopping on with us. Oh, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. The Giants' official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV, brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app. We thank Mike DiRocco. He's always good to us. He always does our mock drafts for us in March and April as well. Uh, really knows the Jaguars well. We thank him for being a part of our Friday podcast. And now, as always, we wrap things up. 
Bob Papa has a chance to talk to the head coach of the New York football Giants, Brian Dable. The Giants are in Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. As always, we're joined by the head coach of the New York football Giants, Brian Dable. And uh, coach, just kind of circle back to last week and sort of this pattern that has been established with your football team. Uh, just mentally tough. Last week, they just battled, battled, battled. And it seems as if your team finds ways to win late in games. What do you attribute that to? Well, the credit goes to the players. They play hard for 60 minutes, and I'd say the coach and staff does a good job of teaching them throughout the week. Uh, it's a collective effort, but you know those guys compete hard and you know don't let one bad play affect them. And you know, early on part of the season, we've had some good results, but you know there's a lot of things to improve on, particularly uh, trying not to get into those spots. Coach, you know, uh, being in you know the New York metropolitan area and everything that goes on in sports, you're a big Rangers fan. You know, the Yankees are in the playoffs and everything else. Your team's five and one, but your players seem to really be handling the five and one record as perfectly as you would want them to. Do you get that sense that these guys really understand how to deal with this and how to make sure it's just we're worried about the next game, which happens to be the Jaguars? Yeah, we try to do a good job of educating them on you know, how to deal with you know, wins and how to deal with losses. And really the way to do that is just to focus on what you can control, which is the next day, uh, the next practice, the next game. Um, and that's all you really can do as a, as a coach or a player. You can't get too caught up about you know, what behind you was or what's ahead of you. Uh, you really need to focus on what you need to do each day to improve. Uh, again, this is a, a very tough, challenging league, and it can humble you really quick. So um, I think those guys understand that, that the next day, the next practice, that's what needs to be focused on. Coach, coming into this game today, um, obviously – you know, your running game has been outstanding this season, and it's been Saquon Barkley being brilliant and Daniel Jones contributing and everybody else having a role within the run game. This Jacksonville team is pretty good against the run. Miles Sanders is the only guy that clipped him for 100 this year. They're giving up 89 yards a game on the ground. What makes their run defense so effective? Well, they got a, high, a lot of high-round picks that, that are playing well. Um, good talent up front. And then good talent in the back end with the you know, support, the safety support, and the linebackers, flow to the ball. You know, Lloyd is a, a good, young, talented player that they selected. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a challenging defense. And Devin Lloyd, the inside backer out of Utah. And then, you know, Trayvon Walker, who is the number one overall pick. He's got a sack uh, on the season. Uh, do they do a lot of things exotic, Coach? Or is it, you know, they're kind of a little straightforward and they just execute real well? No, I think they, they do a good job of, of mixing it up. Um, they play well fundamentally. And, again, they're a talented talented group. So uh, we got our work cut out for us. You know, when you, when you look at the way the NFL is um, – yeah, you, know, you sit there and the, the maybe the at giant fan on the outside looks as oh, look Jacksonville they're two and four, but obviously you as a coach in preparation for the game, you're looking at all the games. This is a team that could easily be a four and two or five and one team. They've been in just about every football game. Um, is that easier for you when you put that tape on? You know, to get your team to be focused on. Don't worry about their record. Here's what they do real well. Yeah, I think that's what we try to do each week, regardless of who we're playing, is you don't focus on, on records or where you're playing. You focus on uh, yourself and improving the things you can work on, and then you focus on their scheme and their players. And, um, you know, every week is a challenge in, in the NFL. Um, so I think focusing on, you know, anything but that is a disservice. They are the only team in the NFL that has two running backs that over, have over 300 yards rushing on the season. Uh, Travis Etienne, who missed last season, uh, former first-round pick out of Clemson, and James Robinson, who's a third-year player who broke into the league as a free agent. And then you throw in Hasty last week, the yep. former 49er, who rips off a 61-yarder. Talk a little bit about trying to slow down their run game. Yeah, it's, they're, they're, all three players are very talented, and they can take it to the distance um, anytime they touch the ball. So, you know, with their front, I think their front does a good job. I think Coach Peterson does a good job of, of scheming different looks in the running game. And, you know, they're, they're very productive, I'd say good young players uh, that are a threat anytime they touch the ball. So we're going to have to do a good job of, 
you know, trying to control the line of scrimmage, getting good knockbacks, setting edges, and, and most importantly, they're going to hit some. We're going to have to tackle well in the open space. Trevor Lawrence um, in his second season in the National Football League. Coach, um, in the games that they've lost, the four losses they've had, he's been sacked ten times. In the two wins, nobody laid a hand on him and sacked him. Um, just talk a little bit about your ball club and ways to generate pressure and you know how to try to disrupt things for Trevor Lawrence, who is uber talented. Yeah, again, one of our goals each week is to try to affect the quarterback uh, as well as we can, and you know it's not necessarily by a sack all the time. There's there's different ways to do that, and you know I think Wink and all the defensive coaches do a good job each week of talking about that. But you know the quarterback uh, Trevor is is a good player. I think he's got good feel in the pocket. Um, he's got a good arm. He can make all the throws, and he's athletic. We're going to have to do a good job of of staying in our coverage when he does escape and make plays on, on the run. Coach, best of luck. Looking forward to the ball game uh, as the Giants take on the Jaguars, and we'll do this again next week. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate you. That's Giants head coach Brian Dable. We thank him for joining us on the Giants Huddle Podcast. We thank Mike DiRocco from ESPN and Xavier McKinney. And again, go back to that last episode on the Giants Huddle Podcast feed. Steve Palazzolo from Pro Football Focus. Great talk about some of the data surrounding the Giants' 5-1 and start and how some of the young players are performing according to PFF's grading system. And of course, don't forget to go subscribe to the Draft Season Podcast on its own separate podcast feed, the Giants app and podcast platforms everywhere. I'm John Schmelk. Thank you for being with us on this Friday edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. We'll see you next time. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Dot com slash compatibility.